Hello and welcome back to Spiritual Coach. Hello and welcome back to Spiritual Coach. Today we're talking about fruit of the Spirit. We'll go ahead and jump right into the scripture. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. One of my favorite scriptures. So much packed in this. And we're going to unravel that today. We're going to talk about each specific fruit that the Holy Spirit brings to the table. Thankfully, these are spirit that are Thankfully, this is fruit that is built into him. It is built into his spirit, and when he comes to live inside of us, he brings that with him and imparts those things into us, and it starts to become our nature. So let's just say, for example, you haven't been always that great at joy or peace or kindness. He will bring that to you and help you in those areas. Now, it may take a while before you start to really see the fruit of these things, but they're going to be there. And if you are a true believer and you have the Holy Spirit in you, these fruit will start to manifest. But the most important of these will be love, and we're going to talk about that one first. We'll go ahead and read a definition of love. Strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties. Warm attachment, enthusiasm or devotion. Unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another. So let's look at some scripture here. Let's look at a scripture here. Matthew 22, 37, and 40. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I really appreciate him saying that because basically everything is summed up in love to begin with. If you have love, you basically have nailed it all. And in Galatians at the end it says, and in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 it ends with, against such there is no law. When you have these things present inside of you, there basically is no need for there to be law because you have become a law unto yourselves, as it says in another place in Scripture. And then here, confirming again in Matthew 22, it says that all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Basically, everything that is written in the Bible or written in their law is basically summed up in love. If you love God with basically everything you have in you, and you love your neighbor as yourself, you fulfilled the law. You've done what God has asked of you. And the fruit of the Spirit, love, will... 
That's why I believe love is mentioned first here in Galatians as, you know, it's the most important. Nevertheless, we're going to talk about the other eight. We're going to start, we're going to go to joy next. We'll read a definition for joy. The emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. The expression or exhibition of such emotion. A state of happiness or felicity, bliss, or a source or cause of delight. I believe that joy also can happen outside of happenstances or happenings that happen to you. Joy can be a constant as we see it is a fruit of the Spirit. So you don't necessarily have to have good things or good fortune happen to you, but you can just be joyful because you have the Holy Spirit. Let's look at some more scripture here. Psalm 16, 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. His presence brings fullness of joy. And when you have the Holy Spirit, that is His presence. His presence is in you. So He brings fullness of joy. Isn't that beautiful? Look at John 15 verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Amen. Let that be so for all of us today. His joy will remain in us and that joy will be full. It doesn't matter what's happening to you right now. You may have a bad go of things, a lot of string of bad luck as some people would say. Nevertheless, let his joy be full in you knowing that you have him in your life. You actually have him in you. All right, let's go to the next one, peace. Definition for that, a state of tranquility or quiet. Freedom from civil disturbance. Freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. Harmony in personal relations. Harmony in personal relations. I like this because it's... You can, you, I like how it's a well-rounded definition on this one. You can have peace and uh, civil, whatever maybe is going on, and there might be civil disturbances, but you still have peace in that. You have peace from oppressive thoughts or emotions that try and bog you down. Peace and harmony with other people. A, a, a state of tranquility or quiet. Maybe just being quiet can help you to get that peace. But... You should have the peace already built in with the Holy Spirit as one of your fruit. Let's look at some more scripture. Psalm 4, verse 8. I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Hopefully you can feel some peace right now, even if you're not lying down, but the Lord is the one. The Lord is the one that is giving you peace. 
Psalm 29:11. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Psalm 37, verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in, abund in the abundance of peace. Uh -oh. Psalm 37, 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. This is peace that surpasses all understanding. You don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to be stressed about anything. Even if you have all these problems, you can be at perfect peace knowing that the Holy Spirit is in you, that God is in you, that you're on His side, that you have salvation, that you're a servant of the Lord, that you are doing the best to serve Him. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Do you love God's law today? Do you love His word? You will have great peace, and nothing will cause you to stumble. Amen? Let's go to the next one, long-suffering. Let's look at a definition. Patiently enduring lasting offense or hardship. Whew. That just sounds tough. Long-suffering. You think about it this way, suffering long. And another another uh, rendition or interpretation would be patience. All right? Let's look at some scripture. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In the bond of peace, amen, you got to suffer with some folks sometimes. you got to suffer with them. Sometimes they might get on your ever-loving nerve, but because you love them, you try to bear with them and try to get along with them to the best of your ability. Sometimes they won't have nothing to do with it, but to the best of your ability, you do that. First Timothy 1.16 However, for this reason I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Let's have a pattern of longsuffering. Let's have a pattern or a frequent habitual action of suffering long with others. Trying your best to Overlook faults, to love them, even when they're not very lovable. <clears throat> even when they're not very lovable. Even when they're not very lovable. <clears throat> we have patience with them. We pray for them. We try to help them. We try to encourage them. <clears throat> Alright, let's go to the next one, kindness. And look at a definition of that. The quality or state of being kind and affection. Doing something nice for somebody because you love them. A kind deed is a definition there. Let's look at some scripture. Colossians 3, 12, and 13. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, 
meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also must do. <clears throat> so you also must do. So there's uh, several of the fruit of the Spirit here, but nevertheless, kindness is right in the middle. And we put on that tender mercy by you know, showing some kindness to some folks, doing something nice for somebody other than yourself. And that's uh, kind of a way to show love is using kindness. Second Peter 1, 5 through 8. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful. <clears throat> you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to be fruitful today? Follow these scriptures. Follow after what he's laying out for you right now. You won't be unfruitful if you are using the fruit of the Spirit. As we see, godliness to brotherly kindness leads to brotherly kindness, love. Amen? <clears throat> Let's go to the next one, goodness, and look at a definition for that. Of a favorable character or tendency that can be relied on, virtuous, right, commendable, of the highest worth or reliability, well-behaved. <clears throat> and I would add to that just an overall sense of doing what's right, just being good. Just <clears throat> Let's look at some scripture. Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. What? Skip down there. Oh, gosh. Psalm 21, verse 3. For you meet with him with blessings of goodness. You set a crown of pure gold upon his head. Blessings of goodness. Goodness upon you. Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wouldn't that be awesome if you could just turn around and look and see goodness and mercy following you you can actually visibly see this but nevertheless this is what's happening whenever you are following the lord good he will cause goodness and mercy to follow you proverbs 2:20 so you may walk in the way of goodness and keep the paths of righteousness of course for goodness to come upon you you have to be already wanting and walking in the way of goodness 
and keeping to the path of righteousness. Anytime you veer off and follow your own path, try to take a side trail, it's going to lead you down a dark road, and it will not be in the way of goodness. So stick to the path. Stick to the narrow road, and you will walk in the way of goodness. All right, let's look at another one, faithfulness, and a definition for that. Full of faith, steadfast in affection or allegiance, loyal, firm in adherence to promises or an observance of duty, given with strong assurance, true to the facts, to a standard, or to an original. So faithfulness, I love that. Doing the best that you can as a habit, being reliable with what you believe in and your actions and the help of others in, in honoring your word if you've given a commitment, doing your best to, to do this and fulfill it. And, and this is producing the faithfulness and also being full of faith. Matthew 25 and 21, his Lord said to him, well done, Good and faithful servant, you were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Even just being faithful with small tasks that have been entrusted to you. Maybe you've given a little commitment to your church or uh, another brother, and you've said, hey, I want to do this. I want to help in this regard. Every little thing that you do, God attributes as if you were doing it unto him. And he, if you are faithful to him, he will cause you to be ruler over many things. He will give you more responsibilities. But you got to start out being faithful over the small things you were given. All right, let's go to the next one, gentleness. Now, definition for that, chivalrous, Honorable, distinguished, relating to being a gentleman, tractable, docile, free from harshness or sternness or violence, soft, delicate, and moderate. So being gentle, I mean, we most people already know what some of these mean, but being a gentle person in nature, not, not being overbearing, not being mean, you know, being calm, cool, and collected, as it were. Let's look at Galatians 6 and 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Of course, we are trying our best to be gentle to anyone who may be uh, walking outside of the will and the word and the ways of God. We try to lead them back gently to the best of our ability, but that doesn't mean that we don't ever try to rebuke because also the Bible tells us to do this. So there's always a fine line. You know, you try your best to uh, walk a balance beam in the ways of God, but there's always moderation in everything. There's always a place for certain things and ways of doing things. But as a general rule of thumb, it's, it's a good idea to walk in the spirit of gentleness and try to help people to be restored back to the Lord. Amen. 1 Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks 
you a reason for the hope that is in you with gentleness and respect. So there's going to come a time where somebody wants to know what's the deal with you. Why do you believe in God? Why do you have a heart for the Lord? And you try to give them the best that you can and tell them and say, this is why I believe why I believe. And you try to do that in a gentle way. You're not trying to prove a point. You're not trying to be mean. You're not trying to make sure you're the one that's right. And you're not trying to argue. You're not trying to debate. But you're just trying to, you know, explain yourself. You know, this is why I believe. And yes, you can give them points and things like that. But you're always trying to do it with love. You're trying to do it gently and with respect. You're not trying to beat somebody over the head with it. You're just trying to show them the truth. And at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. You want to help them understand the truth. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. God's yoke or God's work is not too hard. Amen. If we were able to bear it, it is gentle. He is gentle and lowly, and we will find rest for our souls when we serve Him. Let's look at our last one, self-control. In a definition, restraint exercised over one's own impulses, emotions, or desires. I would say restraint over your words as well, restraining that tongue, restraining your actions, restraining everything. Everything is within self-control. Everything you're thinking within moderation. What can I do? How can I moderate my life? How can I prioritize things and put things in the right priorities? What can I do to, to have self-control? Staying away from sin, not not seeking after sin but trying to avoid it let's look at a couple scriptures here first corinthians 7 and verse 5 do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and a prayer and come together again so that satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control now this is a specific instance for married couples husband and wife but it's saying don't deprive one another except with both of you agreeing that you want to give yourselves to fasting and prayer, but then it says come back together and fulfill that marital duty of having marital relations with one another so that the devil doesn't tempt one or both of you into sinning. Because yes, after a time, you know, it starts to get a little hard for you with the self-control. Uh, lust can creep in. Sinful thoughts can creep in, and the devil will use that if one or both are depriving each other on purpose. Titus 1, 8 and 9. But hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. I like lists, as you can tell. But in here it says, being sober-minded, also self-controlled. Sober-minded also, I would say, is a form of self-control. But being self-controlled in general in all things, trying your best 
to rein in oneself, not giving in to your desires and your passions that are not righteous, but doing what is right on a regular basis to the best of your ability. Now, having read all of these and, and seeing more Scripture in relations to the fruit of the Spirit, we see an overarching theme that the, this concept is sprinkled throughout the Bible of all of these things that are in the Spirit, the way that we are supposed to be. And God gives us ultimate, He gives us more confirmations. And as you will read through the Scriptures, you'll even see more that ping on this topic. But always keep an eye out, keep your uh, mind aware, keep your spirit alert as to how you are acting in the Lord. Am I walking in the fruit of the Spirit? Am I having these fruits portrayed? Am I living a fruitful and productive life in the Lord? And if you notice you lack in one or two or three or all of these areas, work on it. And actually pray, God, please produce this fruit in me. I want you as the Holy Spirit to come forth and come through my life. I trust that if you follow this example, you follow after this, these words, that you will truly have a fruitful walk with the Lord. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned in the next one. See you later. God bless.